Hey there, my name is Chris Wallace, and I am the lead pastor at Hope City Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. We exist to lead people to enjoy Jesus and multiply disciples in real life. We are so glad you're checking out our podcast today. We hope this message inspires you, challenges you, and most importantly, draws you closer to Jesus in a real way. For more information about Hope City, you can check out our website at hopecitybismarck.com. Guys, so I know I've uh, mentioned this before with that song, It Is Well. Um, but my great-grandparents were, on my dad's side of the family, were the, they, they led music for my church when I was growing up. And that's one of those that like hits me with a wave of nostalgia every time I hear it. So like, I can't even sing that song without like tears, you know, I'd come up here all like puffy eyed and all that stuff. So if you ever wonder like, why doesn't Daniel do that song? It's because I would just cry the whole time. (laughs) I can't even handle it. Um, but those songs, man, they were so good for, for the message this morning. We did battle belongs. We have, yes, I will about even in our lowest valley, putting our trust and faith in God. And then we sing, it is well with our soul. And this morning, um, out of this psalm, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at three, we have three expressions of trust that we're going to see out of this psalm and trusting in the Lord. Um, but before we do that, before we get into the psalm, I just want to open with a question. Anybody in here other than me have trust issues? Yeah, every hand is up. Pretty good, yeah. I think that's good that we're honest. We all have trust issues, even if they're big or small. Trust is a, it's kind of a funny thing. It's a, a weird thing. You know, you have the, the cliche pastor trust illustration of you're sitting in a chair right now and you didn't even think about it. You know, but you just trusted that that chair would be there and, and hold your body in. But you know, if, if you think about that, that's kind of a, you know, they, a lot of times that's used in like a serious moment, but I think it's kind of a funny, you know, th- way to think about things. Like think about like cars. Like we just all got in a car and drove this morning. If you really think about what a, a car is, it's kind of weird. It's like a big hunk of metal and plastic and rubber wheels that's powered by what's essentially a little bomb. <laughs> you know, and you know, if, if anything were to go wrong, it's just, it's, it could end up very badly, but we get in those cars every day. We crank them and expect that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, Rachel and I, we recently flew, um, to Texas for, for a wedding for her brother. And, uh, I was just sitting there on the airplane. I'm like, airplanes are so stinking weird, man. But you know, like we just trust that it's going to do its job, but it's just this gigantic thing that holds hundreds of people, weighs thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. There's flying through the air like hundreds of miles per hour. I'm like, this is the weird, like this should not happen. This is weird, you know, but here we are. We're trusting that it's going to do its job. Um, you know, but just, you know, that's just kind of, you know, funny ways to think about trust, but that's our, that's our, our Psalm today. What we'll see out of it is about trust. We're going to learn lessons of trust today. Um, but let's, let's talk about Psalms for a little bit. I know probably everybody so far that has done the Psalms is, you know, talked about the foundation of the Psalms, what they are, but Psalms are expressions of worship in the Bible. Uh, we know that worship is more than just the songs that we sing in church on a Sunday. This whole service is a worship service. It's, it's more than just a church service. This is a worship service to worship our Heavenly Father and for all that He's done for us through His Son Jesus and all that He continues to do for us day by day. Um, everything that we do in life that glorifies God is our, is our worship. And this psalm, the aspect of worship that it, that it expresses is prayer. We see that from the very first verse of the psalm. It ends with, ends with, uh, the word prayer. So that tells us that this is a prayer. Wasn't, wasn't too hard to figure that one out. Um, but prayer, 
Prayer is essential. I've used this quote before. Uh, I like the quote, so I'm going to use it again. Um, this Martin Luther tells us about uh, prayer. It says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So that, just, that shows us that in our, our faith journey, that prayer is, is a very essential part of what we do on a daily basis. I would say it's like prayer and God's word, like 1A, 1B. Or, well, God's word, 1A, prayer, 1B, you know. We should always put God's word first in our life. But prayer is a, di- is a direct line that we have with God. Outside of his word, We the, our, our other direct line to hear from God, to talk to God, to spend time with him is in prayer. Um, and then, I, you, you know, I think a lot of people have a weird relationship with prayer, too. Uh, like, I know when we're in community groups and we have discussions and all that, or even, you know, on Sundays when we say, okay, well, how can we respond to God's word this week? It's like always the cliche Christian answer to say prayer. We want to pray more. And it's like never the wrong answer, you know, but it is, it's kind of like, it's like the, the one that we're like, okay, we'll get that one out of the way. Yeah, somebody's going to say prayer, so we'll just say that. But, like, it's never the wrong answer to say, I'm going to spend more time in prayer this week. Um, because, again, prayer is it should be an essential part of our faith. This is what First John 5, verse 14 says. It, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this about prayer. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So I feel like a lot of times maybe people don't pray because they think God does not hear their prayers or he doesn't care about their prayers. But th- it tells us that that we, we should we should pray with confidence that if if our prayers are according to his will, he hears those prayers. You know, I think I think God hears the prayers that aren't according to his will. He just maybe probably won't answer those ones, you know, like, oh God, if I really could just have a Lamborghini, you know, like probably not gonna answer that one. I don't think he cares about what kind of car you drive. Um but you know the key word in that verse is confidence. Here's another quote about prayer from Charles Spurgeon, it says, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. So the, the expectation that you know Spurgeon is quoted saying there, the confidence that we see out of that verse from 1 John um, and God's word, is it's the, that's the certainty that David opens this prayer with or opens this psalm with in his prayer. So let's read verse 1. We have like, um, Chris has been doing these, like you see right up top where it says like the basis of trust. He's been doing those recently. So I was like, I really like that. Like it helps like, you know, focus like what we're talking about and what verses. So we have three of those today. We do the basis of trust, and that's just going to be verse 1. Um, we're going to take them in chunks. But it's verse 1 says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So this kind of establishes the psalm for us, again, that it it is a prayer. Um, It tells us that at the very end, hear my prayer. Um, But we see a few things happening here in this opening verse of the psalm. We're not 100% sure what David is going through. We could speculate. You know, commentators say that maybe it's related to the psalm that Chris preached on last week, but we know that David is in some sort of distress um, in this moment of the the, uh, psalm. He, um, He, I mean, it tells us that right there. You have given me relief when I was in distress. So this could be past distress. It could be current distress. Whatever it is, he's coming to God with this prayer again. Um, and then, but the context surrounding David is not as important as what is, you know, what we're going to learn from the psalm because we get some more context from within the psalm. But the, let's just start with the the opening. You know, David recognizes what God has done for him, right? And that he has already given him release or relief from his distress. 
And then he prays for God to hear his prayer. Um, so this, you know, it kind of helps us form the framework. That very opening line too, O God of my righteousness, that establishes who God is to David, right? That establishes that, that he has no righteousness, but apart from God, you know, uh, there's David is, he's saying right there in that moment that, that this is not because of me, that God is the God of his righteousness. Um, and then, so the, the, you know, maybe the last thing to look at out of this little, um, very, you know, short opening verse is that David is not asking for God to audibly hear him when he says, Oh, hear my prayer. That's just, he's reasserting that confidence. You know, Matthew 6, 8 tells us that God knows what we need before we even ask him. So some people might read that and be like, well, why do we even pray? You know, we, again, we pray to hear from God, but we also pray just to communicate our struggles, to communicate our joys, to, you know, you can, you can praise God through prayer. You can, you can uh, confess sin to God in prayer. This, this is our, our direct, it's like a cell phone to God, you know, prayer is. Um, this, he, he's not saying just, you know, if you'll, if you'll hear what I have to say, God, because God knows what, what David's bringing to him, but it's more just reasserting that confidence of, God, I know that you're hearing my prayer right now in this moment. Um, so this, this, this way we see that David is praying um, that, that we open up here. This should be the framework for our, our basis of trust in God, right? Our basis of trust that he hears our prayers. We, we should know that God is the God of our righteousness and, and we have that righteousness. We find that because of Jesus Christ. Um, but we, we should know that, that God is God over everything in our life. We should know that God has already done miraculous things. He's already given us relief in times of stress and um, we should we should praise him for that, and then we should have the confidence that when we pray to God, that He actually does hear those prayers, and that those prayers are going to be answered if they are according to His will. Um, but if we if we fail to do that, if we fail to have that confidence in in God's word and that confidence in our prayers, if we fail to do that, um, we we kind of end up where we are with the, the next part of the passages parts uh, we'll look at verses two through seven. And that's the challenge of trust is what we'll call that today. Um, so this is kind of what it looks like if we have not fully put our trust in the Lord. Um, so this is, you know, challenging trust. We'll see, um, we, we kind of have, we'll take them like two at a time. Cause I think it's almost like a call and response kind of a thing that happens here. So let's read verses two and three it says, Oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Um, so like I said, it's almost like a call and response right there between those first two verses. You see, you, you know, the sin. You see how, like, honor being turned into shame. You see men um, turning to uh, vain words and lies instead of seeking after God. But it says, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So this is, this is expressing, I don't know, maybe anguish over the fact that, that the, the people of Israel keep turning to the things of this world. They keep looking for other things other than God himself who has provided everything. Um, but David knows, he says, the Lord hears when I call to him. Um, and then there's, there's that word in there, Selah. So that, that word is, a lot of people, the popular school of thought, I guess, is that it's like a musical notation for a break. Um, so I love that you have, how long will my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? 
and then there's just a pause. I don't know if they keep playing music or if there was just silence, but there was a pause to sit there and think about that for just a moment. Um, and I think maybe that's something we far too often, when, when we are confronted with our own sin, we, we, we don't pause to think about it and we just keep keep rolling. Um, but we have the answer to that is, is that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. We are, we're not set apart because of anything that we do. Uh, we can only be set apart but because of Jesus and that the Lord hears when I call to him. So when we cry out to God over whatever it is we are struggling with in life, we know that he hears us. So then we have verses five or verse, verses four and five that say this, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your own beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So if anybody is familiar with Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your anger is a, is a very popular verse. Um, so there is a possibility for anger without sin. My, my thought maybe is that we're so like morally bankrupt, I guess, you know, our human depravity is like, makes it not possible to be angry without sinning, to be angry with, you know, some inkling of sin in our life. But the Bible tells us that this is possible. We see that in the Psalm, be angry and do not sin. Ponder on your own or ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. So I love the fact that Selah basically comes after, um, the Bible saying, be, be angry, but shut up about it. You know, <laughs> um, it's just kind of funny to me because you, you, you know, if, if we're, if we're looking at it, um, we, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. The reason that is that that verse, what that means really is that when we, when we just let anger brew and steep and fester, maybe to use like a, a more gross word for anger, um, when we let that happen, it, it, uh, it turns into this thing that the enemy can use, um, for, you know, for us. And we, we see, we see warnings about anger from, uh, Yoda, Star Wars fans in here. Yoda says that anger is a path to the dark side. Um, yeah, you know, so <laughs> anger, it unravels us. It, the more we let anger, um, that emotion, but the more we let that control our lives, uh, the, the more it becomes this ugly, ugly thing in our life. So it says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. So that, that word, you know, me and Chris were looking at this, that ponder in your own beds. That could even be, you know, maybe, maybe prayer when you're alone. Um, ponder and be silent. Maybe just be silent before the Lord and see what he has to say to you about that. Um, and then we have, we have the response to that in verse five, though. It says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So there we see that word trust again, right? Um, so this is, this is challenging the, the disbelief of trust or maybe, maybe not the disbelief, but the, this, we see the challenge of trust from the, you know, from the sin that, that happens. And then we see the response, the godly response to that to continue to turn back to the Lord. Um, but this gives us a good moment to pause and, you know, think about maybe the ways that we fail to trust in God or maybe how often we misplace our trust. And I think there's, you know, there's many ways we do this each day, uh, with our peers, our friends, our colleagues, etc. But more importantly, um, how do we do this to God? You know, how, other than how do we fail to, um, you know, how do we fail to put, trust in, in other things of this world. But the more important question is how do we fail 
to put trust in God because you should be able to trust those around you. You should have good people around you. But the, the biggest thing is, do we put our trust in God? How often do we minimize the power of prayer and of God's word in our lives? And how often do we fail to turn to God in times of need and instead we turn to the things of this world? Because you should have trustworthy people around you, but those should not be your first people you turn to. Or the anything in this world, your your money or your job or whatever it is, your, your standing in the community, whatever that is, that should not be the first place you turn to in times of trouble or in times of distress for relief. You should turn to God first. So let's pause on that for just a moment. We'll come back to it, but we have verse 6 and 7. So we'll read those, and they say, There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their green and wine is abound. So this is our final kind of call and response um, moment here. Um, it's not really call and response, so if you're like a big... English, there's two big English major guys back there. This is not really call and response. It's just kind of what I'm calling it. Um, because you, you see the sin and then you see the response to sin. Um, so it's, there's not real call and responses here, but that's just kind of what I'm, I'm rolling with. Um, so you, you see a challenge and then a response to it though, right? So the challenge here is these, the many, um, they're not identified any other than just as the many. Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So at first glance, when I first read this, I thought this verse was kind of a positive, you know, thing, because um, it yeah, lift up your, the light of your face upon us, O Lord. I thought it was a, a positive verse, maybe off the first read. Um, but the more you study it, read commentaries, you read other translations of it, the more you see this is not... Um, this is not, they're not praising God. They're, they're, they're discontent in this moment. These many, um, they're discontent. We get that from, uh, within the, in, within the response where it reads, you have put more joy in my heart than when they have their grain and wine abound. Um, so this shows that they're dissatisfied with whatever their current circumstances are. There's, there's something that they're wanting more of. Um, who will show us some good? God has already shown them good, but they're wanting more. Um, and even, yeah, even when they have it good, they're still longing for more. So I really love, um, sometimes I'll, I'll just read the message translation or listen to it because it's just kind of like spoken word. I feel like I do this every time I preach. I use some version of the message translation at some point. But it, it's really fun for verses 6 and 7. It says, why is everyone hungry for more? More, more, they say, more, more. I have God's more than enough, more joy in one ordinary day. So my favorite part about that. It's just that one-liner that God's more than enough. Um, we have that. We have God's more than enough. He's given that to us through his son, Jesus. If you know Jesus to be your savior, you have God's more than enough. But the question is, do we put our trust in that? Do we, do we put our trust in the things of this world? Do we put our trust in the things that we can do on our own, or do we continue to put our trust back in him? Um, so then to, let's go back to my question a few moments ago of maybe how often do we miss God's more than enough? You know, how often do we do that in our own lives? We miss the more than enough that he's already done for us because there should be this overflowing joy that leads us to trust in the, in God day by day. Yet we still misplace our trust by chasing after the allure of more, whatever that is, you know, more money, Bigger house, nicer clothes, better car, better job, better behaved kids. You know, like I, 
you know, like Evelyn, she's not even two yet, but there's some days I'm just like, what is, what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like she'll, she'll go through these moods. Anybody that has kids know this, but she'll go through these moods with food. She loves eggs. And then it's like one day she'll, she would eat the whole 12 carton, you know, 12 count eggs. And then the next day it's like, she acts like we're trying to murder her by putting eggs on our plate. You know, she'll just flip out and she'll swing her hands and knock the food out of our hand. And, you know, like, it's just like, but these are, these are real moments where, you, you know, that challenge us. Um, these are real moments that we grow from. So this could just could be an exhaustive list. But I think you get the point that the pursuit of these things leads us down a path we shouldn't travel, right? Yoda tells us anger is a path to the dark side. Um, but no, really, I mean, outside of Yoda, Scripture tells us that if we just let that control our lives, um, that, that it, it will lead to our undoing, right? It, it throws us off of what God has planned for our life. So instead, we should focus on the better good um, that, we, that we have found in Jesus because, they, you know, they say, who will show us more good? Well, Jesus is the better good that we have in life. Um, and then lastly, out of response to placing our trust in God, we see the result of trust. So we'll call this last verse, uh, verse 8. This is the result of trust. It says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So if I, if I had a bottom line for this message, um, simply put would just be that trusting in God provides peace in life. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. Um, I don't, you know, I have like three or four things that I'll just continue to repeat. I, I'm very, my brain just thinks very simply. And I think, you know, I think that's okay. But um, trusting in God provides peace in life. Simple way to put this whole passage if we were to look at it um, from, a, from a bird's eye view. So the goal of placing our trust in God is to be able to make it um, through this life without the anxieties and the troubles of the world always looming and always nagging at us, right? Always pulling us away from where God wants us to go. The better, truer plan is to place our faith in Jesus, trusting in God's word, that he is who he says he is, and believing that he provides us more than enough, right? That God's more than enough, that he is providing that, has already provided that for us. Um, even on the difficult days, we find ourselves um, in the, the important takeaway is that we need to place, um, continue to place our trust and to turn our hearts back to God and to keep our faith firm in his truth, right? Um, because we, we all just naturally, we go to sleep at the end of the day. So the question is maybe, um, do we, do we lie down at the end of the day in peace, right? Do we lie down in the peace knowing that God is still God, right? That Jesus is still our savior. Um, or do we lie down in peace with that anger, with that turmoil building in our lives? Do we, do we lie down in peace afraid of maybe what the next day has to come worried about what is, what is going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen when I go to work or what's going to happen? You know, when I get in the car and drive or whatever, I had somebody pull out in front of me the other day I was driving. I got so mad. Um, I don't know why I mentioned that. It was just random, but, uh, <laughs> it really did. Man, it made me mad because he just wasn't paying attention, but you know, like, People, people worry about those things though. They're like, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive on the road. And, um, people worry about, you, you can't control what other people do. So it is, it is a, it's, it's a moment of anxiety for some people, but, but these are all real moments of, am I putting my trust back in God or am I just going to keep, continue trying to work out of my own strength? Cause I promise you, you can't, 
you can't pour out of an empty well if you keep trying to go out of your own strength. It doesn't matter how much you pray or how much you read God's word. If you're not coming to that um, for renewal and you're just coming to it for just to check a box, um, that should be renewing to your spirit, right? We can't pour out of that empty well. We can't live. And that's how we end up in these moments where we let more than just anger, any sin, whatever it is, kind of unravel us and take us off the path um, that God is leading us down, right? Um, so in peace, do we lie down and sleep? Do you have peace? Does putting your trust in God, does that result in peace um, day by day? Because trusting in God provides peace in life.